This is Ed Van Ness. And I'm John Shannon. You found an encore presentation of the Taxi Stand Hour. You can catch us live every Saturday at 10 a.m. by downloading the Radio TFI app. Enjoy the show. Adios. See ya. You found the Taxi Stand Hour. Over. On Radio TFI. Join the conversation. You can reach the guys at 754-800-CHAT. 754-800-2428. On Twitter, at Taxi Standard. From a pay phone, call collect. So most people have a fear of acquiring the virus. I think a good way of doing it is to imagine that you do have the virus, yeah? And change your behavior so that you're not transmitting it. Don't think about changing a behavior so you won't get it. Think about changing a behavior so you don't give it to somebody else. Thank you there, Mr. or excuse me, Professor Graham Medley. And also Gerald. Yeah, there's always Gerald. Ah, good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Taxi Stand Hour for this uh, Saturday, May 16th of 2020. And from the uh, Northern Command Studio here in Egan, Minnesota, I am John Shannon. And yawning and gritting his teeth there in the Radio TFI Executive Tower, it is Mr. Ed Van Ness. Good morning, sir. Good morning, kids and kittens. I pray everyone is doing well this, this fine morning. John, how are you today? Tired. Ed said he had Ed, Ed said he had a whole plate, so I'm just gonna kind of lean <laughs> back here. You come back here now. You come back here. <laughs> yes, we put together oh. we put together a fair amount of uh, of stuff for the show today, but I can't do it without you, Pally boy. I can't do it without you. Oh well, I guess I'll just kind. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll put up like they're talking about at sporting events. I'll put out a, a cardboard cutout of myself there. <laughs> and I'll even cheer every once in a while. And there and a, you go. And, and of course, you know, in keeping in, uh, you know, keeping up with the times, we, we are doing the show socially distancing and without an audience. Oh, wait a minute. We've <laughs> oh. always done it that way. <laughs> Come on. We got at least a couple of listeners. Well, I mean, there's no studio audience. That's that's what I. Mean. Well, well, there you go. That's true. Kind of like, uh, kind of like they're going to do it in sports. Uh, yes. Starting out with baseball, it looks like. No racing. Uh, is it this? Oh, weekend? that's right. This weekend or that's next right. weekend? I think next weekend. Well, whenever you can, whenever you can. Uh, pull something off without a hundred thousand rednecks gathering you're probably you're probably doing okay everything <laughs> is generally not not a horrible thing and exactly oh wait a minute well you lived in orlando so you had to deal with daytona 500 stuff for a couple of years there oh and, yeah and bike was... week holy crap i've been through that area during bike week oh man 
I can count the number of times I've been in Daytona uh, on one hand, to tell you the truth. Okay. But still, the traffic makes its way over to Orlando. It's only an hour away. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. It does. I wasn't too impressed with it. Well, nor would you be. <laughs> nor would you be. Oh, although those biker parties can get a little interesting sometimes. Yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. <laughs> and we'll just it, leave that one lion right <laughs> there, okay? I, I, I got to tell you, though, speak, speaking of bikers, I was in, I went, uh, when I was living in Vegas, I went down and visited a little hole-in-the-wall restaurant there somewhere halfway between, um, somewhere between Vegas and the Grand Canyon, basically. There's a little hole in the wall. This uh, this guy comes, gets off his bike, comes into the restaurant, and he's got a T-shirt on. On the back, it says, "If you can read this, the bitch fell off." Oh yeah, I've seen that. I've actually seen that shirt before. <laughs> I, I I just about had to use the pens for a minute just so I could. Uh, I I, I stop gotta, from peeing on myself. I can't resist saying this when you started saying. Uh, I was halfway between Vegas and the first phrase that popped into my mind was I was halfway between, uh, no, you said halfway between, speaking of Vegas, <laughs> what popped in my head was halfway between misery and poverty. <laughs> that, there you go. That's Vegas. That's Vegas in one of its many nutshells. By the way, before mm-hmm. we forget, before we get, get going here, uh, let's do our stock report. Uber mm-hmm. cl- closed the week at $32.47, dropped down about, ooh, 32 cents. Meanwhile, Lyft lost, yeah, four and a half bucks, give or take. Ooh. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, four and a half bucks. Dropped uh, down to $28.15. And we got a little bit of Uber news and and, uh, and all that. Uh, For all of those who have been saying, I thought you guys were going to talk about the industry more. We are. But not till hour two. During oh, the, okay. Third, well, we can do it now, but you know what? What with the COVID nineteen and all that, everything's all kind of tied in together. So it's it's hard to separate one from the other, and and it really is. And, and I really like to get some of this stuff out there because uh, uh, I understand a lot of folks don't actually hear everything that goes on. I'm stuck home. I'm watching things. I'm I'm trolling. I'm, I'm not trolling. I'm going through my social media. Trolling, trolling, Bling, trolling. trolling. <laughs> Keep those tweets rolling, Rod. So we 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 picked up some stuff here, and uh, so I want to play some of it for you, uh, just to kind of get us where we're going. Uh, you ready, John? I am ready. By the way, I'm on floor 86 today. If you were wondering. Okay. Tomorrow it'll be ninety-nine. Well, nobody will care tomorrow because we're not on the air tomorrow. It's a get smart reference. That would be a good idea in this show. Get smart? Yeah. I'd I'd rather be best. <laughs> All right, let's let let's let's get the uh, train rolling down the track here. We're gonna start all the way back to last Saturday, actually last Sunday, uh, there was a 60-minute interview with with Dr. Peter Daszak. Well, the first part of this, the first part of the story, and this is uh, 
what's his name, Pelly, on uh, 60 Minutes. He's talking about your favorite, my favorite Florida congressman, Matt Gates. Everybody's calm ship in a, in a storm, Matt Gates. On April 14th, Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates claimed China's Wuhan Institute had, quote, birthed a monster. Gates is a vigorous defender of the president. He's been under investigation by the House Ethics Committee for allegedly threatening a witness against Mr. Trump. And he led a protest to delay impeachment testimony. The NIH gives this $3.7 million grant to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They then advertise that they need coronavirus researchers. Following that, coronavirus erupts in Wuhan. There never was a $3.7 million U.S. grant to the Wuhan lab. But the falsehood spread like a virus in the White House and without verification in the briefing room. There's also another report that the NIH under the Obama administration in 2015 gave that lab $3.7 million in a grant. Why would the U.S. give a grant like that to China? The Obama administration gave them a grant of $3.7 million. I've been hearing about that. Uh, and we've instructed that if any grants are going to that uh, area, we're looking at it literally about an hour ago and also early in the morning, uh, we will end that grant very quickly. That grant was to Peter Dosak's U.S.-based EcoHealth Alliance for disease prevention it does throughout the world. His work was considered so important that last year, the grant was reauthorized and increased by the Trump administration. All right, kids and kittens, now, now the challenge is how many pieces of nonsense and flat-out lies can you find in that, in that piece? I, I, I mean, between Gates and Trump, you're... Uh... <sighs> you, you notice how I was looking for some truth in all of that. I wasn't trying to count the lies. Well, I'm saying, well, you got truth from uh, Scott Pelley. You got truth well, from the doctor. Yeah. I'm just saying from from the GOP folks there. You're uh, you're Matt Gates and and the Trumpster, uh, Captain Coppertone. <laughs> I, I came up with that last night. I like that. So in the it, same, it could stick. It might. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna work on it. So. This little thing starts working its way around. This was early, uh, the beginning of last week. This this all was last weekend after we were on the air. So let's continue on. Same in same piece from sixty minutes, but here's Pelly talking to the doctor. And please pay very close attention to what he says about COVID nineteen. Is there a way to know that this virus, SARS CoV two? emerge from the wild into the human population, or has that not been proven yet? Well, I'm a scientist, and what I do is I look at the evidence uh, around a hypothesis. There is a huge amount of evidence that these viruses repeatedly emerge into people from wild animals in rural areas through things like hunting and eating wildlife. There is zero evidence that this virus came out of a lab in China. Does the Wuhan Institute of Virology, to your knowledge, have this virus in its inventory? No. Why do you say so? Uh, the closest known relative is one that's different enough that it is not SARS-CoV-2. So there's just no evidence that anybody had it in the lab anywhere in the world prior to the outbreak. All right, so there you go. According to the doctor who's working right there, and I, this is his specialty, he's in Wuhan, Wuhan, 
And according to him, there's no way it's man-made. There's no way it escaped from a lab. So we can, in my in my eyes, it seems like we can get away from this whole weaponized thing. You know, I, I believe me, I trust what CBS says more than I trust anything coming out of D.C., anything coming out of the White House. I got to tell you, Ed, if you don't mind here real quick. I got to tell you, I with, with this, I'm beginning to wonder who I believe, to tell you the truth. Well, there has been so much information from so many sources. Um, and to be quite honest with you, the White House isn't the only source where the misinformation is coming from. And so... Is it really is? It's tough for me to believe anybody in this, you know, and take that for for what you will. But good lord, Mandy, there's just so much information out there. Your head is literally swimming. I don't disagree with you, John. I don't disagree. Uh, but I'm more likely to. Uh, I also watched the piece. I didn't. I didn't uh, pull the audio down from it. Uh, was it? I think it was six. Another sixty minutes piece from about ten years ago with the same doctor talking about you know the potential and and all that. So you know, I, I I'm more inclined to believe something coming out of. I'm way more inclined to believe something coming out of CBS in sixty minutes than I am out of Fox or the White yeah. House. Yeah, you, I, you, I, I agree with you there. You see in the piece that they played there, that I played uh, just before this one, somebody from the media at, at one of the press conferences asked Trump about it. And immediately, Trump was like, oh, yeah, 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 we, we were looking into that. We were just talking about it an hour ago. It's fiction. It never happened. There was nothing to look into. He was just grasping, grabbing the, the momentum there and saying, oh, my, well, we can. So. One thing I do know for sure, Ed, is that we have the wrong individual at the top spot of our leader chain to be dealing with this. That's the only thing. And I'm shocked that, to hear you say that. Well, it has nothing. <laughs> and to believe it or not, it has nothing to do with how I felt about Trump going into the election or how I felt about him since. This is just dealing with this particular situation that has me coming. I mean, I'm even trying to be fair about it. I am looking for signs, looking for signs that he is showing some leadership. And trust me, if he did, I'd give the devil his due. Well, that fair. Well, in that case, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Okay. Okay. And. He, uh, let me see. Where did, now I got to. Oh yeah, yeah. This we're, we're skipping ahead a couple of days. Okay. To your point. Here, here is all we we played this the other night. This is all you need to hear to convince you that he's going to kill us all. Don't forget, we have more cases than anybody in the world. But why? Because we do more testing. When you test, you have a case. When you test, you find something is wrong with people. If we didn't do any testing, we would have very few cases. They don't want to write that. It's common sense. So we test much more, many, many times. South Korea, you hear about? There. What else do you need to know? 
We we did we did about fifteen minutes on this the other night. This is this is well, if we didn't test, we wouldn't have any cases. Where's the logic there? And this is the yeah. guy in charge. He's the guy driving the bus. Well, I think that that uh, what I love about our governor here in Minnesota is is he gives it to you straight. You know, he did the whole uh, uh, thing with the relaxing. He let the um, stay-at-home order. Uh, uh, he, the the stay-at-home order is going to expire midnight uh, midnight Sunday. Uh, but he said, "Hey, listen, this doesn't mean we're in the clear here." You know, they're expecting Minnesotans to actually do the right thing here. Wear your masks. uh, Practice social distancing. They're expecting Minnesotans to do these things. They're not opening up the bars and restaurants just yet. And that's going to be the key factor. That is going to be the one thing. See what happens when they start, when they do open bars and restaurants here. Because... That is probably the the single mo- single place, other than maybe shopping malls like the Mall of America, mm-hmm. where social distancing is going to be near impossible. Well, look at that video from uh, uh, from uh, bars in Wisconsin during the week. They were mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder, and I, I I mean, while I don't wish any harm on anybody, a month from now, half of those people will probably be in a hospital. And, yep. then the, and then they're going to pass it along. They're going to infect others. But hey, they got to go out and have a beer. Would I love to go out and sit in a bar right now and have a nice big big juicy burger and steak fries and all that? You bet your buns I would. Do but I want to get... You know what's really bad about that, Ed? Is I could go to the store, buy a big old thing of fatty ground beef, buy a case of beer, invite maybe a couple of friends over we all... Excuse me. We all uh, we all practice our social distancing, and we might even smoke a couple cigars. Who knows? Uh, yeah, sure. We could do that. Sure, you could play some play radio TFI on the old mm-hmm. uh, speaker phone there on the Victrola. On the Victrola, right? <laughs> and we could have just as much fun as going to the goddamn bar. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand. As somebody that hung out in bars religiously for the first uh, for the first three fifths of his life or adult life, I should say, I don't care if I step into another bar again. I I, I don't know. I, so I'm sorry. Go go ahead. No, Proceed. no, that's fine. Because that that brings us right up to uh, Dr. Fauci testifying during the week. So let's take a listen to this, and then we got some stuff after that that ties into it. My concern is that if states or cities or regions, uh, their attempt, understandable, to get back to some form of normality, disregard to a greater or lesser degree the checkpoints that we put in our guidelines about when it is safe to proceed in pulling back on mitigation. Because I feel if that occurs, there is a real risk that you will trigger an outbreak that you may not be able to control, which in fact, paradoxically, will set you back, not only leading to some suffering and death that could be avoided, 
but could even set you back on the road to trying to get economic recovery. Now that was that was the testimony he was testifying to the House uh, that got him in Dutch with with Captain Coppertone and the uh, Fox News Avengers. <laughs> so let I, I mean look Fauci's been apparently trying to say this all along, and he's still saying it, and a lot of people have said it. We're nowhere close to this being over. You know, we're not close. Just because you're upset and tired of being locked down, which you're not locked down per se, but oh, but just because started on that. But just because you don't. Hey, I've literally been locked down for nine weeks now. Okay, at least Mm -hmm. you're out. You're out and about. So don't get me started on it. No, I no. It's it's not that. I'm not talking about personal here. I'm just talking in general. Okay. Well, any j- just to finish up here. So, so Fauci's, you know, basically he's not basically he is right along where he's been the whole time, but this time mm-hmm. he didn't have tr- he he had a forum to speak and he didn't have Trump breathing down his neck literally and interrupting him. So mm-hmm. later that night, here comes the Fox News Avengers. Let's start with good old uh, Tucker Carlson golden calf of the administrative state is ringing hollow and fauci to be very blunt is the face of this failed administrative well, state i, totally I think agree. we've got to question the entire premise of this with the chief buffoon of the professional class really quickly the essence of science and chief buffoon that's tucker carlson referring to dr fauci as the chief buffoon why because fauci has the unmitigated gall to speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. You notice Trump won't, still... f- Trump won't fire him. Um, oh. <laughs> that would cause a complete firestorm. Complete. Now, but, but I still for... say, I still say Dr. Fauci should just give old, uh, old uh, Captain, Captain Coppertone. That's right. <laughs> I, I love it. I really do. I really love it. Give him the old, uh, uh, single bi- si- yeah, give him the old salute. single salute. Exactly. We d- we discussed this the other night. I said it then. I'll say it again. Fauci strikes me as the type of person he's going to put up with a lot because he needs to help. He wants to help mm-hmm. him. What well, he? I'm, I, I guarantee he's had a government job for forty some odd years. He can retire with his pension, go write his books, and and never have to. But Look, he, by the way, same night, here's Hannity on Fauci. Yeah. Now, despite oh. declining COVID-19 infectious rates, hospitalizations, deaths, well, Democrats, the mob and the media, they seem to want to keep this country locked down indefinitely. Dr. Anthony Fauci also seems to favor what the Democrats want, and that is massive restrictions with no end in sight. And today, he was even pessimistic that schools could reopen in the fall. Yeah, that's right. Oh, by the way, uh, it came out today, two weeks ago, Texas re- uh, relaxed all their standards. Mm-hmm. They're now up to, a, in the past week, they've only had two days where a thousand people didn't, was it die or, or uh, I got to check on this. I think, in, I think infected. I think infected. I think, I think you're right. Uh, I'm just, I should have had that number sitting in front of me, but uh, let's see. 
Single day high in debts. Yeah. Uh, two weeks after reopening. Yep, 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 yep. So they're they're increasing the number of deaths in Texas. But you go on and enjoy your barbecue. Yeah, and that's, that was deaths, huh? Oh, my God. It didn't give a number. I'd have to get into the story. But, yeah. But what did they expect was going to happen? We don't have, we're not close to having this contained. No. We're, we're nowhere near that. And, you know, it's people are playing politics. I got, I kind of got sucked into a thread this morning on Twitter. I didn't. Uh, but basically, everybody in the thread, with the exception of Soul Cab, was, uh, was, oh, I'm not wearing a mask. I only wear a mask when I absolutely have to. I won't take their damn vaccines either. What? What? I don't get where this, I really, really, really don't get where this is coming from. I, I mean, do you? You believe this is an infringement on your right. You know what? Forget you. And I actually wrote this. You know, I I was very polite about it, too. Forget all of you, you know. uh, But basically, think about others. A couple of people that responded to that had said, well, I wear a mask because, I don't know, I may be asymptomatic. And you know what? That's good sound logic. Mm -hmm. You don't. That's why you're wearing the mask. It's not to protect you. To protect other people from you. Exactly. And, you know, look, we see all these videos of people gathering and kids and... uh, Man, it's just... uh, It's just not going to go well. Not going to go well. Unfortunately, what's going to have to happen, and this is just how we seem to be, is this wasn't enough of a tragedy uh, here. Well, we've only had 87,000 people die in this country mm-hmm. because of the coronavirus. That's, ah, hell, that's not too bad. Ah, we might start wearing masks again if we get up to about two or three or 400,000 people. You know what it is? It's, yeah. like, it's like the people who would say about the lottery. Well, I'm not going to play the lottery unless it gets to like 50 million. Why? You have 10 million in the bank? That, that, that's always my take on it. Don't say I'm not going to play it simply because it hasn't reached some some arbitrary number, you know. Mm. But but you're right; it is like that. Well, I'll start worrying when it gets to a hundred thousand. Well, have you considered the fact that you may be one of those hundred thousands? Mm. Well, you know, and uh, and here, here's the one thing though is that it doesn't. A lot of people they won't get it, even if they get some symptoms themselves. It won't hit home to them until maybe the wife, maybe the child, maybe a parent or some loved one gets struck uh, struck down with this. That is the same. Then it'll truth. set in. That is the that, same. That that'll set in. Oh, by right. the way, I got to stop you. I I need Twitter music here. Okay. <laughs> I, I, need, I I need I need Twitter music here. Good. From Ken Olin. Yeah, Ken Olin. Ken Olin won on the Twitter. He's an actor. He should have a. Blue it check takes mark. a village. He does have a blue check mark. Picture with picture of Trump holding some kind of little figurine, and the tweet says, "It takes a village idiot to raise R A Z E our nation." Yep, yep, yep. Uh, while we're at it, 
I got a I got a couple of tweets here too. This is my favorite of the week. From Translate Trump at Translate Real DT, and you should follow that person. Uh I do. Trump, as president, I have total immunity. But also Trump, Obama Obama broke the law while president. Well, wait a second, Donnie. If president has total immunity, how did Obama break the law? Oh, we're gonna get to Obamagate. Uh this Please is, do because, quite frankly, I don't under I have no clue what they're trying to get get at. It's okay, neither do they. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the pandemic plan, not that we were, but uh, <laughs> at Nancy Noco twenty four tweeted this: the Trump White House now claims it had a pandemic plan all along. Maybe the plan was like double secret probation in Animal House. It was so closely guarded, you had no idea it even existed. No signs, clues, or indi- indications there was ever was one. Now, you may have seen on the news in the past couple days, or yesterday, uh, Kaylee McEnany with the, as they were getting on the helicopter. And she did it in the, in the, in the briefing room as well. She holds up uh, a few staple pages says, well, this was the Obama plan that we found not good. And she holds up not one, but two binders. See, we have two binders. That's our plan. Hey, Karam, here, here's that. Here's that. Extensive testing now be among the recommendations that are put into any future plans? So we don't, we have not outlined a future plan just yet. We're still operating off of the one that was issued fairly recently in January of 2020. I think it's safe to say that um, you know, we've learned a lot as we've moved forward and navigated this pandemic then, and navigated uh, the deploying of more than 90 million and 95 respirators, a billion gloves, um, this really historic response. I think we've learned that working with the private sector has been very effective. We have an incredible, innovative private sector in this country. Um, and to have a businessman at the helm and President Trump who was able to coordinate that was very effective and I think will become the playbook for dealing with future pandemics. Now, that ain't a load of horse... Horse hockey. I I just don't know what is. I just don't know what is. Uh, I got two more tweets here I want to read. Uh, as re- actually three things. Marie Connor at this tall awk girl. She's very funny. Uh, this one ought to be pinned somewhere. It still blows my mind that militia men tried to liberate Michigan because the New York. Let me start that again. It still blows my mind that militia men tried to liberate Michigan because a New Yorker who shits on a gold toilet told them to. <laughs> By the way, you're discovering how difficult reading on the fly can be, I see. Well, I've actually got it printed out. It's just and you I... still had double back. <laughs> well, I was thinking of three other things at the time. Remember, I also run the station. Uh, At Palmer Report, wrote this, which I thought was very clever. We used to have Steve Jobs, Johnny Cash, and Bob Hope. Now in the Trump era, we have no jobs, no cash, no hope. No hope. I've seen that before. (laughs) But it still is very funny. And I'll say one last thing. This is the last thing I have on paper for all this. Howard Stern this week. I don't know if you heard this. I did. Uh, I know where you're going. Quote, the oddity in all of this is the people Trump despises most love him the most, Stern said. 
the people who are voting for Trump for the most part, he wouldn't even let them in an, in a effing hotel. He'd be disgusted by them. Go to Mar-a-Lago, see if you see any people who look like you. I'm talking to you in the audience. This was him uh, on on his Redidio show earlier in the week. So uh, let's let's talk about Obamagate a little bit. Yeah, I please. Okay. Give, give me and the listeners a little bit of... Uh... First off, 754-800-CHAT, 754-800-2428. If you can accurately describe what Obamagate is, then you're the only one, because nobody seems to know. Uh, here, We'll let's... send you a week old cookie if you can tell us. And, 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 and here's... I've got some other stuff I was trying to go through the week, but here, this is from yesterday with with uh, Press Secretary Barbie. The president suggested that people should be jailed for what he said earlier in the week was a very obvious crime. You're an attorney and the president's spokesperson. Perhaps you could lay out the elements of this crime. What crime was committed and in what way? I, re- I assume you're referring to the Obama administration and the unmasking and... What the president calls Obamagate, what is it? What are the elements of that crime? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you asked because there hasn't been a lot of journalistic curiosity on this front and I'm very glad that you asked this question. Here, I heard you mention one thing you said was criminal and that was what? The... The one thing that I've said that was criminal, the leaking of his name and the very real questions that have been raised. But if you want to start talking about wrongdoing the administration. Now, that first little break there, I I never, ever, ever cut these things except for time. I'll take out three or four seconds of silence, but I never edit them for content. This went on for the first the first cut there was a minute and fifteen seconds of her just blathering on. And the only thing of any any intrinsic value was she was referring the reporter was asking about Michael Flynn. The only thing close to a crime. The only thing close to a crime, and it's not a crime. Uh and then the last part was just the same. And it was funny. That's the Charlie Brown teacher thing. Or the Charlie mm-hmm. Brown adult thing. But uh, yeah, this apparently Obamagate is, uh, we've we, uh, apparently everything. There, it's hard to say. My God, they're just because they make it up on the fly. When one thing doesn't work, Tyra Deed Reed doesn't work. Now it's Obamagate. Next week it'll be something else. Uh, uh, remember, this is the guy who yesterday. This is the president who gave us this. I call it the super-duper missile, and I heard the other night 17 times faster than what they have right now, than you take the fastest missile we have right now. Super-duper missile. (laughs) Super-duper missile. I I, I need you to be... It it really kind of all ties in that, uh, you know... (laughs) Jeez, I, it's just so hard to, to 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 get me wrap my head around all that. But Obamagate, this is supposedly them, uh, the Democrats, and Obama, and Biden, and everybody else, Jim Comey, 
uh, spying on uh, uh, Trump and setting up Flynn. Now, now you're going to hear a lot about unmasking. And, and uh, the Republicans and Trump, oh, they unmasked Michael Flynn. And they went after him. No. People that were authorized to see these things in these reports and all that and all the official documentation, they're known as person number one, person number two, whatever nomenclature they, they give them. They don't know who it is until they make the request for the unmasking. Okay, now I need to know who we're talking about here. And of course, this is people with authority, authorization, excuse me, to, to see this kind of information. But again, Obamagate, this is, there's nothing there. It's something Trump made up. It is clearly something they made up. And uh, I, I, I just, I just, there's, it's nothing. I, I can't say it any more than that. Any more clearly than that. It is nothing. <sighs> wow. <laughs> There's nothing. You look I am. You look exhausted. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing there. Seriously, that clip I just played with Kaylee McEnany. There's a minute and 15 seconds of her going on about nonsense. Double speak. Not even. Not even. She's good. She's not. She's not uh, uh, Kellyanne Conway good, but she's good. I mean, she she thinks on her feet. She thinks on the fly. She's she's not horrible at what she's doing. You know, clearly the first day she came out and said, "I won't lie to you," and you know that was a flat out lie. I was uh, gonna say. <laughs> you know, and we all know that, but. It it, it it just, there's nothing there. You can't, look, it, this is what Trump does. He does something wrong. He projects that onto somebody else. Oh, let, no, let, I didn't do it. You did it. Let, let, let's face it here. When somebody prefaces with, I'm not going to lie to you, that usually means there is a boatload of lies to follow. Yeah. Oh, by the way, here, here here's another piece about, Listen to Trump himself. This is from Wednesday. Listen to Trump himself go on about how corrupt everybody is. They weren't after General Flynn. They wanted him to lie about me, make up a story. And with few exceptions, nobody did that. There were many people. I watched KT McFarlane the other day. I watched where she was knock, knock, FBI. You know, the FBI, okay? This was all Obama. This was all Biden. These people were corrupt. The whole thing was corrupt. And we caught them. We caught them. And what you saw just now, I watched Biden yesterday. He could barely speak. He was on Good Morning America, right? And he said he didn't know anything about it. And now it just gets released right after he said that. It gets released that he was one of the unmaskers, meaning he knew everything about it. So he lied to your friend George Stephanopoulos. First off, I'm very disappointed that Maria Bartiromo, Bartirolo, since she's gone to Fox, has just, you know, gone hook, line, and sinker to the party line over there. She used to be, uh, I used to enjoy watching her uh, when she was with NBC and CNBC. Excuse me. Uh, and whenever I see her now, it's just, 
sad. It's just sad. She, it's okay to have a point of view, but be fair about it. She is just, you know, state TV all the way. And it's unfortunate. It really is. But listen to him go on about that. He keeps throwing out the buzzwords. This one's corrupt. That one's corrupt. And yet funny, none of it came out till now. Now? Now it's a... These are signs of a desperate man. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question about it. Uh, Did Hillary ever sound that desperate when she was running against Trump? No. It was... Nobody has ever sounded that desperate. Yeah. Because other people... Uh, don't don't just blather on. They have some mm. some semblance of intelligence. Uh, well, you've come to the wrong place if you're expecting it from Trump. Well, and that's uh, that's what we have. Uh, we have a we have a, our our. Our opposition correspondent has a thing or two to say about Obamagate. Would you like to hear from Brent right now? Sure. Sure. Here's Brent, our opposition. So I just seen on Fox News that my president and still your president, Donald J. Trump, tweeted over a hundred times on Mother's Day. And you Democrats is out here crying about it. So what? If he was up in his room click clacking on his phone like some kind of teenage girl while Melania was down in the dining room just sitting there waiting. Candles burnt all the way down. Big Mac's getting cold. Mr. Trump's working his heart out. If he had a heart, he'd be working it out. Trying to get all you sheeple to forget about the Corona 19 and its 80,000 deaths. Well, what on flat earth is it going to take? He gave you Tiger King. He's finally letting you out of the house. He released the murder hornets. And he even told you about the damn UFOs. Look at the tapes. I seen them triangles. And now, like the stay-at-home protesters, Mr. Trump is bringing out the big guns. And of course, I'm talking about that secret Muslim from Kenya whose wife is actually a man, Barack Hussein Obama. And, and Mr. Trump was talking about Obamagate, how, and it, it proves without a shadow of a doubt, without any facts, that Obama has been trying to influence Trump's presidency. Think about it. Why would Trump claim everything he's ever done as a president has been better than Obama, and then when stuff gets bad, turns around and claims Obama has been trying to ruin him from the start? It makes perfect sense. And I went to the University of YouTube, and I graduated MAGA yell loudly, And just like that Beastie Boys video, I can spot a sabotage when I see one. This ain't nothing but the Lord of the Rings when them hobbits was trying to get to that mountain. And there was that evil wizard on on top of that tower casting spells trying to stop him. Mr. Trump's trying to lead us to our Mount Doom and no bummer doesn't want us to go. So today, I'm raising my emotional support beer to the man who cried Obama. Donald J. Trump, don't listen to them haters. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brent, I think. <laughs> well, hey, this guy this guy's gonna ditch us for uh Colbert here before uh, long. I, I 
I think he's going to leave with Gerald. That's I'm, I'm hearing rumblings, <laughs> rumblings in the background. But uh, yeah, that's that. That was the little break we needed there. Uh, I got a few more pieces here that I'd like to uh, like to play. Uh, there's a little roundtable on MSNBC the other night, eleventh uh, hour with Brian Williams, and uh, there's three separate chunks of audio. Three different people, all from the same. We're going to play them with a little break in between. So up first is uh, Jill Colvin from the Associated Press. Jill Colvin, because you cover this beat day today, had you heard of this pandemic plan before the press secretary held up a binder prior to departure from the South Lawn today? No, this is certainly not something that we have heard this White House stress in any of its briefings. Look, we spent how many hours with the coronavirus task force day after day, the president giving those briefings, hearing from Dr. Burks, hearing from Dr. Fauci. And if they may have mentioned it in passing, they certainly uh, did not spend any time outlining their plan. And what we heard today uh, was really the first administration official talking about their concern about how slowly this administration uh, responded to the threat. You know, it took months uh, for the president to use the Defense Production Act uh, to ramp up production of things like N95 masks. There are still, uh, you know, hospitals and doctors who say that they don't have enough supplies. There are now concerns about testing supplies, states not having enough swabs to be able to complete these tests, these ongoing issues where if the administration had prepared earlier and ramped up production earlier, we may be having fewer challenges now. Now, to be fair... To the, to the Trump administration, they had not one but two binders that they showed. So if it's two binders, it clearly must be. And by the way, not, these are those nice, thin, slim binders. So next up was, uh, was Ron Klain. Who's Ron Klain, you might ask? Ron, yeah, I might. Ron Klain was the gentleman during the Obama administration that oversaw the creation of the Ebola response, basically the plan that was chucked for uh, that they said was only a couple of pages stapled together. Mr. Klain, I'm sorry, if I say Klein, I, I misspoke. Ron Klain. Ron Klain, you heard the press secretary. It was your plan that was insufficient. Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing, as Jill said, um, for a long time, the position of the Trump administration was that no one could have seen this coming and we didn't leave a plan. And now, it's, now apparently they read our plan and saw, thought our plan was insufficient, and they wrote their own plan. If what we're seeing now is the product of their plan, then their plan was the worst plan in the history of the world. I can't. Did their plan say, don't ramp up testing in January and February? Did their plan say, uh, have the president go out and say it's going to go away like a miracle? Uh, the shining light in the body will make it go away? So, so I don't really understand how what we're seeing now reflects a plan, unless the plan has been this from the start. As Donald Trump said today, if we test less, we'll find fewer cases. Maybe their plan has just been deny and delay all along. That probably would be a very thin binder if that's what the plan was. Well, he's got a point there. <laughs> Maybe this was okay. their plan all along. Maybe this was the plan, <laughs> and they're sticking to it. I mean, let, let's face it. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. If they had a plan, first it was nobody left us anything. Then it was, well, we've had a plan all along. Well, well, which is it? Which is it? 
And finally, finally, there's Peter Baker of the New York Times. And this is just my favorite of the three. I like them all, but this was my favorite. Well, it's a striking conflict of messages, of course, as Ron mentioned. The, the, the message up until now was, who could have ever predicted this would have happened? Nobody ever saw this coming. When we opened the cupboard, we discovered it was empty. The Obama people hadn't left us any medical equipment. The testing uh, system that they left us behind was broken. Uh, we were surprised when we discovered that. And so we're just trying to catch up from you know square one today's message is no we knew this was coming we did a plan we were all ready and it seems a very conflict of course to the to the message for the last two and a half months or so now this exercise they did last year we have written about this this is something that we have written about the question is of course why had they done given that they did this plan last year or the year before i can't remember the exact date uh that they were not in fact prepared or seemingly not prepared when this happened it took weeks for the administration, particularly the White House, to uh, understand and grasp the level of the threat and take the kind of steps that we've now taken uh, in order to flatten the curve. There have been studies show, the one study showed that had the administration put in place some of these uh, uh, lockdown restrictions just even a couple weeks earlier, that the death rate would have been 90% uh, less than it was uh, and what has been now. And so being prepared actually is really important. This is a completely contradictory message to the one that they've been presenting up until now. 90%. 70,000 people would still be alive. Absolutely. And, and here's what you have to. Okay. Let's pretend for a second that when the Trump administration arrived in January. Oh, hold on just. Okay. Some reason I lost your audio. Oh, that's okay. Be, that's because I muted it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but. <sighs> about as dumb as a Trump supporter. I had to, uh, I had a moment there that I didn't want to go out over the air. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like all of a sudden everything seemed to go dead. It did. But, well, not on this side. It was pretty lively. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pretty but moving on. So let's pretend for a minute that there was absolutely nothing in the cupboard, as everybody as everybody in the Trump administration yes. is saying. Nothing. No ammunition. Well, let, no. No nothing. Let's pretend just for a second that that's, that was the case. As you're coming into the it coming into the White House, coming into the administration, don't you think it would be your job then? Oh uh oh, we ain't got we ain't got things that we need just in case there is any kind of a pandemic or so. Isn't there some sort of a department for that kind of stuff? Mm. No wait, no wait. Uh, I thought Trump might have act didn't Trump actually dismantle pretty much that Initial preparedness? Pretty much. So, the, well, they, they had a little drill during the transition, but unfortunately, most of the people who partook in that have long since been fired. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. You have to look at it from the perspective of you can't complain three and a half years in that the cupboard was empty. You've had three and a half years to go to the supermarket. Exactly. That, so, is, that is exactly my point. Thank you. That... Uh, Oh, if there was something wrong, you're in charge now. That's Fix right. Fix it. Doesn't matter who left it that way. 
it's up to you now. They're gone. They're gone. You can cry all you want. Crying about it isn't going to fix it. But then again, there was nothing to fix because you didn't care. Mm-hmm. Too busy doing the victory lap around the uh, around the White House there. Too busy and, patting myself on the back, you know. Oh, and speaking of, of the pandemic plan, uh, I've got just a couple more things here. Are you finished, John? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah, yes. Yes. All right. Let's, I let's was finished almost an hour ago. Let's listen to, first off, old Moscow Mitch saying he was, to quote Fonzie, ruh, 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 wrong. You said that the previous administration didn't leave a plan. They pushed back against that. I was wrong. They did leave behind a plan. So I, I clearly uh, made a mistake in that regard. As to whether or not the plan was followed and who's the critic and all the rest, I don't have any observation about that because I don't know enough uh, about the details of that, uh, Brett, to comment on it in, in any detail. I don't know nothing. Okay. All right. Anyway. So... To, to finish off here, we've got Dr. Rick Bright. He's the, uh, a wonk as they call him. He's a little science nerd buried deep in the federal government. His job, the department he led, was uh, at the forefront of this fight. He kept trying to get things moving to get us. He didn't like what he was seeing. And he sent messages up along the line of the chain of command and all that. Eventually, uh, Trump had him reassigned or demoted. Trump claims he never heard of the guy. Well, during, during the COVID-19 uh, thing, this is somebody you should have heard of. It's your job. So here he is, first off, being questioned by Representative Debbie Dingell. This is from <laughs> Thursday. Do you believe if your suggestions were implemented, lives would have been saved and the severity of the pandemic might have been lessened? I believe lives would have been saved if we had proper medical protective equipment for our healthcare workers. Yes. So people died because you weren't listened to? People died because they didn't have appropriate protective equipment to save their lives and protect them from getting infected. The problems aren't limited to just ignoring your advice. The American people are confused, given mixed signals, and quite frankly, some days just simply deceived. Let me give you an example. There was a visit to the CDC on March 6th, and at that visit, the administration said, anybody who wants a test will get a test. Was that true then? There still are not enough tests. So even this week, as we're being told, anybody who wants a test can have a test. Is that true in the United States of America? No. So a little later on in the same hearing, this is Dr. Rick Bright. And listen carefully to what he says, which is not you normally something you would say at a congressional committee hearing. Congressman, I'll never forget the emails I received from, from Mike Bowen and indicating that we are, we are, are, mask supply or N95 respirator supply was, was completely decimated. And he said, we're in deep shit. The world is, and we need to act. And I pushed that forward to the highest levels I could in HHS and got no response. 
From that moment, I knew that we were going to have a crisis for our healthcare workers because we were not taking action. We were already behind the ball. That was our last window of opportunity to turn on that production to save the lives of those healthcare workers, and we didn't act. So there you have it. Also during that same hearing, and I don't have the audio from it, Dr. Bright also went on to say how uh, Trump cronies were given contracts that they had no business getting. Uh, things were uh, the Trump friends and allies were given priority as far as uh, how things were done and information. Uh, I, I wish I had it in front of me, but it, it's it's exactly the way you wouldn't want a pandemic to be run. Okay, the next time you throw a pandemic. Take note, this is not the way to do it. Yeah. No doubt. Well, it's it's like I was talking about earlier. All we have been getting is misinformation this whole time. Whether it was just people talking out their asses or it was just outright lies. We, we have had nothing. The American people, whether we like our president or not, whether we... That that shouldn't be that shouldn't even be a factor. You've made reference on a couple occasions over time uh, with uh, to George George Bush after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. George Bush, I I don't agree with what he did afterwards as far as the you know as far as going into Iraq and all or and all that other uh, stuff. But at least what he did is he made sure that we were getting the information that we need to get. He was there to lift the, uh, what you call the moral spirits of this country and, and actually made us believe that, okay, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be all right here. Um, the, that was a, a sign of leadership and forgive me. Maybe I got to tear up my liberal card for saying that uh, George Bush showed leadership, so be it. I've said the that fact since, of the matter, since that day. I've said that. Um, the fact of the matter is, is Trump. Trump's motto is, "It's not my fault." I'll take it's all. It's not my fault. I'll take. I'll all take the all the credit and none of the responsibility. None of the blame. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I, I were I had people that I worked with like that, and I actually said to them, these two guys that worked at the cab company, they were responsible for inspecting the cabs, and and you know they would they would throw their weight around with my drivers, and I would have to go down, and yet when I wanted something or needed something, I would go to them. They oh the, we don't we can't do it. Well wait a second, what is it? Either you're in charge like you try to tell my drivers, or you're no or you have no power whatsoever. Which one is it? Pick a side and let me know. Clearly, they had no authority whatsoever. But here's what it is. You can't take all the credit without also taking some of the blame. Period. You either accept all the responsibility or you don't. You are absolutely right, sir. And on that note, it's time to get up and stretch our legs here for a minute or two. Or maybe you might want to be be interested in listening to... I have no idea what he's going to play here in the middle. So, we'll be back on the other side. You are listening to the Taxi Stand Hour here on Radio TFI.
T-F-I. You found the taxi stand hour. The worst talk radio I've ever heard in my life. On Radio TFI. Hi, this is Mike King. You want to talk to the guys at the Taxi Stand Hour? Call us at 754-800-CHAT. That's 754-800-2428. Join the conversation. So most people have a fear of acquiring the virus. I think a good way of doing it is to imagine that you do have the virus, yeah, and change your behavior so that you're not transmitting it. Don't think about changing your behavior so you won't get it. Think about changing your behavior so you don't give it to somebody else. You've bought his records, you've seen his films, you've even purchased the Dayglow Velvet Memorial paintings at the gas station. As a true Elvis fan, you think you've heard it all, but wait, there's more. Now you can buy secret recordings of Elvis's last telephone conversations. Yes, it's the Elvis tapes. Hello, baby. This is Elvis. And I want you to come over right now and make me a big peanut butter and dinner sandwich. A peanut butter and a dinner sandwich will get me through the night. You'll hear Elvis in his most intimate moments. Hello, Pizza Man, Pizza. Yeah, this is the Elvis. Won't you bring me over a couple large pies? Don't make it, make it three. Don't make it six, double cheese. Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm alone. And I'm hungry. And you'll hear Elvis reveal how he really feels about the one true love of his life. I want you back. I want you back in my life, baby. And I on your way back. Would you pick up some donuts, please? Big jelly, cream donuts, Crullis cheese, Danish too. I love my big honey glazed donuts. Without them, I can't do. The Elvis tapes. Oh, give me, give me, give me, give me more donuts. Available now in drugstores everywhere. I love to eat. I love to eat lemon. More... <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, we're back <laughs> on the taxi stand hour here on Radio TFI. Oh, Ed, you don't want to know what just happened to me. You're right, I don't. But I'm going to tell you anyways. Say hello to the folks first. <laughs> Once again, from the Radio TFI Northern Command Studio... I'm John Shannon, withering in pain. <laughs> Go ahead, keep going. And, and from the 99th floor of the uh, yes. Radio yes, we've, TFI Tower. We've, we've moved up from 86. Yeah, there you go. It is Mr. Ed Van Ness. Once again, good morning, sir. Good morning, kittens and kids and kittens. And let's pull the curtain back. So now... As you all know, as we come into the second hour, I usually play a little comedy bit or something. John never knows what I'm going to play. But in this particular case, he needed to get up, and I told him exactly how long he had to get back. I said, And I rushed the best I could. He literally 
sat down. When you heard him come on the air just now, he had literally just put his headphones on. And that was the first nanosecond he could hear me when I said, go. So, and apparently something has happened in his little yes. one, one minute excursion away from the studio. John? Well, well, let's just, let me just paint the picture for you. Oh, would you please? I, I, I don't have a nice, soft, cushy chair to sit in when I come back in. Or like when me? I sit down to do this show. Yeah, like you. No, instead I have a nice hard wooden chair. Mm. And let's just say that something was a little out of position when I went to sit down. Oh! Oh! Yikes! <laughs> I, I, I feel for you, pal. It's funny. I'm going to laugh a lot. <laughs> I, I feel I'm going to laugh to keep from crying. <laughs> I feel your pain. I mean, I'm glad I don't feel your pain, but. Oh, oh, oh man. Whew. You got to come prepared for these shows. We've told you about that. Show up at rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah, well. You'll start worrying about me if I start showing up at rehearsals. So. Mm. Yeah, you got a valid point there. There's no question about it. Okay. So. I was actually, before we get into some of the industry stuff, I want I was going to make a point earlier about the whole lockdown uh, thing that we're, that we're under. Now, I understand that the lockdown meant different things in different... Um, oh, boy, does it. ...different states. New York City, I understand. I mean, Jesus, you guys, you know, were pretty much told to... Uh, shelter in your home and you know throw away the key basically i understand there's barely enough room to barely enough room to breathe normally there in new york city here in minnesota the lockdown met a little different you know there were stores closed yes i um but all the essential places were open grocery stores liquor stores uh <laughs> and people will ask why is a liquor store uh why is a liquor store an essential part of life? Uh, you deal with this reality right now and tell me you're not tempted to tip the bottle a little bit. I have not um, had a drink. Wait, but you're not a chronic drinker anyways. You're not even a halfway chronic drinker. No, I don't drink anywhere close to what I used to drink. I, I, I have a couple beers a year now, if that. That's... Oh, Lord. And then, uh, you're, you know... We have plenty of open space out here. People were told. They even closed roads so people could go along some of the parkways and stuff like that along the lakes here and walk or jog or bike, but still allow for social distancing. So here in Minnesota, this was pretty much lockdown light, if you will. Yet there were people here in Minnesota that were pissing and moaning about it, too. So, yeah, it was, uh, the lockdown was, uh, it was a burden. It was, it's been a big burden on, on businesses here. And I feel for them, you know, there's going to be a lot of these establishments, a lot of these stores that probably won't be able to go on past the, uh, uh, past this uh, whole thing when it, uh, finally, uh, eases up. I don't know that it'll ever end, but uh, 
least when it eases up to a point. And I feel for those individuals. Excuse me, but to say that it was really all that bad, the lockdown here in Minnesota, you're just you're just boohooing for yourself. I'm sorry. Unless you owned a business, you know, unless your livelihood was uh, affected. Hell, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people still worked as normal. I worked as normal, you know. Well, you know, normal being, okay, yeah, I've had a, a, a sneeze screen installed in my cab. I'm wearing a mask now while I'm driving my cab. Uh, you know, that's probably going to be the new normal for the foreseeable future. No, no big shakes. You learn to deal with it. So, but to say that this lockdown was, in most parts of the country, was somehow, oh my God, it's the end of the world. It really wasn't. Considering the number of lives that this more than likely saved. We talk about the the uh, 70 or 80,000 people that have lost their lives to the virus. Just think if we wouldn't have done these measures, you could have raised that to over 500,000. And I don't I don't say that with any scientific knowledge, but just looking at the numbers and looking at the trends and whatnot. Uh, it would have been easy. If we had just sat and done nothing, we would have had close to half a million deaths so far in this country. And uh, I just shudder to think about that. All right, tapping out, sir. Well, if you if you look at it from the perspective of we did shut down, we're currently at a million and a half cases in this country, number of people that have been infected. Now, if you extrapolate that out, we don't do social distancing. Everybody goes about their business. I, I can't even begin to imagine. Even if you go with the low 2% number, we would have had millions of people sick or dead or dying. Yes, only 98% of the people don't die, blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah, we get that. But just the same, it would have had the same impact and we would stand no chance of getting rid of it. Uh, I agree with you. It's like I've said before, I'll say it again. Am I happy about being stuck here in this apartment? No. Could it be a whole lot worse for me? Oh, you better believe it. You better mm-hmm. believe it. I'm, I'm in a fortunate situation here as I've, I've made no bones about it. I have felt my way into the ideal situation for this. I live alone. I have everything I need within two two or three blocks. And I still have an income coming in. And I got you, you people. Go. And I got you people. You people. You people. I, I Make no mistake about it. Doing this show five times a week helps keep my sanity. And for those of well, you, well, then a- we should we should do it ten times a week. Because <laughs> what I'm seeing is still, not anything close to sanity. It's still not cured. Huh? <laughs> that, that, that's my sanity clause. Uh, but you know, for those of you not aware, we are currently doing uh, four nights a week, an hour, an hour a night, 
Uh, and that primarily, I started that just so I would have something to do most nights, most days. John and I had, we had just done, we had just done a Saturday night show just as kind of a, as a flyer, just to, mm-hmm. just to kind of test it out. And we, we, we didn't do a show Saturday morning and we did a Saturday night show and we both liked it. And then this came up. Well, now suddenly mm-hmm. I've got all sorts of time on my hands. So it started out as a two-hour music thing, and, and then we, we've evolved it into just an hour of, of chit-chatting uh, every night. But honest to goodness, that's what's keeping me busy right now, is I, I spend the week putting together... Basically, I spend the week producing the shows. Uh, I don't do as much much of the audio clips for the weeknight shows to save them for for saturdays but you know something that that uh needs to be played or i feel needs to be played you know we'll play it uh you know look we came we we came upon a new permanent member of my uh of my cart rack when you test you have a case when you test you find something is wrong with people if we didn't do any testing we would have very few cases now just just as an aside uh I explained this the other night, and I'll explain it again. When I put together these audio bits, I name these files. They're named with the date, their length, and a brief description, so that when I put it on the on the player that we use, a little great little free software called Jingle Palette, I can see what it is. Usually, it's something simple, Trump. Uh, temper tantrum, China, something like that. Well, as you all may or may not be aware, I'm not a fan of the blue language to be used on the station. John and I have had many a go rounds about about his mouth. Not that I'm I'm opposed to swearing, John. How am I off the air? Jesus, that that's what to tell you the truth. <laughs> I have to add commentary to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> One thing that I enjoy about this show is that I feel that I get to be myself. I mean, we are doing this show on our own little corner of the internet. We have a few hands full, a hands full of listeners. Is it hands full or handfuls? Hand, <laughs> bunch. A bunch. There you go. We have but- we have bunches. Jake, I, I need to finish where I was going. I don't need you to go off on a rant. I want you to, but I need you to put a pause on it. I need you to put a pin. Okay. Right, so I will I, yield for the second. Thank you. So, as I was saying, John knows I, I don't care for the swear words unless they're properly, you know, for instance, we played a piece of audio with Dr. Bright, and he used the S word. Okay, that's part of it, and, you know, I can... Uh, but that F word, I try to keep off off of our airways. Just, I like to keep us elevated just a little bit. Just a little bit. But that being said, I named this file uh, the full one of him saying, well, without testing, if we don't test, we don't have cases. I named this file 0514 for the date, 0022 for the length of time, 22 seconds. And the words... Trump dumb fuckery because I can't think of anything else to call it to describe it because ladies and gentlemen (laughs) boys and girls and I apologize if you heard this Thursday night 
we have sunk to a new low. Oh, sure, for three and a half years, we believed he can't possibly get any lower than this. Okay? <laughs> he can't possibly say or do anything stupider. And I really believe we've hit bedrock right now. That being said, I'm not mm. going to put it past them. No chance. I'm not going to put it past them. We've all learned not to do this. But I honestly, I can't fathom. But then again, I would have never been able to fathom this coming from the President of the United States. Along with Super Duper Missile. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. That's a favorite now. It's not... I mean, it's stupid. But, I mean, it's one thing if you're talking to a group of eight-year-olds. You know, then you call it the Super Duper Missile. But that aside, I, I mean... I. And that's just how. That sounds how, like how, the title of a porn movie. Well, it's my it's my life history, but eh, neither here nor there. But that's how how I feel about all this, and especially that comment. That for me, and to me, it is a big thing to come on the air and say that. Oh, I could I could work around it. I didn't have to call it that, but I don't see anything else that captures it. And it's a situation like this where I'm okay using the word or having it used because mm -hmm. this is, as I was thinking, when I first heard him say it, I thought, this is his strategery. Remember when George Bush, you know, used the word strategery? Either he used it or Will Ferrell used it. It might have been Bush himself. But I was thinking, this is his strategy. No, 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 no. This is worse than that. We, we need something harsher than that. And so I chose the name I chose. And, uh, well, I won't use it often on the air. And it's well-placed and in context, and I feel, I friendly feel. John, you've, I've let a few slip by with you when they're, when they're in context, when they're, I just don't mm -hmm. like them. You know what it is? I don't like them gratuitous. No, and I agree with you on that. I, I totally agree. Because then, then you're just showing right. a look lack at, of... Look at me. I can say a word. Uh-huh. I think it takes more not to use the words. But let me let me explain something to you. And I don't think I've ever explained this position to you. And this probably should be more left on... Uh, behind the scenes, but by the way, is what this the, the hell? Is this the position where you sit down and hurt a part of you that shouldn't be hurt? Is that the position you're referring to? I uh, know because you don't have to I'm explain still, it. <laughs> I understand. I'm it. still still smarting from it. <laughs> oh, one hung low just got hung lower. Oh man, I'll have to <laughs> I'll have the cream of some young guy, please. Oh, man. But, but anyways, see, the one thing that I love, now, I have, I don't know if I ever told you this, I wanted, three things I wanted to do when I was a kid. I one wanted was, to be a driver. And one was sit on your nuts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to be go. a driver I'm of some kind. Either a bus or a taxi, or we took a lot of taxis when we when I was a young young guy. My father even sent me uh, to a friend's house via taxi uh, by myself when I was 
seven, eight years old. You could do that back then. You mean when you were a young, a young nut sitter? Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Hmm. <laughs> So, no, I wanted to be a driver. Okay. The other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to be a wrestler, professional wrestler. It's a wrestler. A wrestler. Oh, you bet. <laughs> and lastly, I wanted to, actually, I wanted to be a disc jockey. But, yes, I wanted to be on radio. Didn't care about TV. I learned early that I had a face made for radio. So. Well, you can't sit on your nuts on TV. No, this is true. Well, you can, but... I don't recommend it. Usually you're not racing to get back to your seat at the last second. That's just poor planning on your part, sir. You're absolutely right. That's all that is. So, the point I'm trying to make is, is I've done... You know, I've achieved these things. I've been been a professional driver. Well, professional. There's... I use air quotes. Uh... You get I've paid for it. you're a professional. Yeah. 37 years now. Without interrupt. I have got a chance to actually perform in a wrestling ring. Even though it was a very small part, I did get to perform in a wrestling ring. Alrighty. And I did actually have a radio show on Celestial Radio at one point in time. For almost two years. So right now, in the close to twilight of my life, we got our own little internet radio show, which I think actually reaches more people than my AM radio uh, show (laughs) reached. Well, it's got more potential. Oh, you know it. Absolutely. Worldwide, baby. Worldwide. And by the way, you get to do it from home. Yes. Ain't that the... Yeah, exactly. So, we got our own little corner of the internet. The one thing that I love about that idea is we get to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. When it comes right down to it, you know, we don't have, you know, let, let's face it. Our supervisors are a cartoon mouse and a two-year-old. And they're of our own creation, literally. And, 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 they, and they still have more of a grasp of what's going on than we do. You're absolutely right. By the way, we came this close today to Mr. Mouse showing up, but... I miss Mr. Mouse. What the hell's happened to him? Yeah, he's been on vacation. Okay. He may be back soon. He might have been tied up in a Guatemalan prison <laughs> here. So. She was Honduran. Honduran, Guatemalan... <laughs> Who cares? I, I can't feel my leg. <laughs> so, what I the the, the, the position <laughs> yeah yeah the position I take on the whole thing with swearing. You're absolutely right. You don't want to use the seven words over and over and over again. No. But if something comes out. Let it, you know, let it come, you know, be yourself. Mm. And not the, nothing wrong with being yourself. John, I don't disagree with you, but I like to see a little bit of restraint there. That's all. 
I think, look, if you're in the middle of a spitting, uh, blood-boiling rant, by all means, you know, have mm-hmm. at it. But, again, it's context. It's context. Yeah, that, I'll, I'll give you that. That's that's my thing. Like I said, there are times you've, you've spawned off and I don't say two words. No, it's more like ten. Well, okay, but... And by the way, <laughs> by the way, we have actually played the seven words you can never say on television on this here radio station. We have played that. When we played the, the George Carlin uh, uh, soundtrack Saturdays. And that'll be making a reappearance shortly. Uh, but yeah, we I play that. That's that's one of the funniest bits you'll ever hear. And uh, I literally peed a little the first time I heard it when I was about 14 or 15. So, because remember, that was back in the day when you couldn't even say damn on television. Oh yeah, I know. You know, so, so to hear that was just shocking. And of course, there was a whole court case and... Uh, with the FCC, blah, blah, blah. But uh, no, I mean, we. I, I, I'm not trying to... Re- oh, no. Have I, We've have, lost our moral standard. Let me ask you this, in all honesty. Have I ever restricted you from any content of anything you've ever wanted to say? Have I ever? Oh, no. Well, wait a minute. There have been things you said you don't want to go, go to... Or to... Oh, there are items I don't want to talk about. There are things I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk about, but I've mm-hmm. never, I've never sat down with you and said, well, here's the list of things we can never, you know, you hit me with something personal. Well, you know what? I'd rather not talk about that. I'd no, no, not. I'm not talking about personal stuff. No, it's, it's not that. Well, I don't restrict content. <sighs> Tell me what you want to talk about. Oh, I'll, I'll, and when the time comes, I will. It's more the <sighs> language that, I, that concerns me. And again, I just like to. I always think of it this way, okay? And now, when I had my own little radio group of drivers, and we had uh, about a dozen guys working together, and we we had a central phone for ourselves, you always had to remind some of these guys, you never know who's listening. Somebody's got somebody in their cab. Mm -hmm. Watch what you say. And I always keep that in mind. For all I know, maybe somebody's listening, enjoying our our little dog and pony show here. And I don't know, a little kid walks by. Little kids know, I know what they know, but I don't want to be the one. They're going to learn the words. I know they're going to learn the words. I'm not that not that naive. But mm-hmm. I'd just assume that this place be a place of, of, uh, uh, of where anybody can tune in. High moral standards! And with that, we, we, we're just going to drop it right there because, uh, Mr. Mr. By the Chad, way, Mr. No, 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 go ahead. Go right ahead. By the way, my balls still hurt. <laughs> well, it's going to happen. Oh, I, I hear you, pal. I've, uh, I've been down that happy road. I've been down that happy road. And I don't know this for a fact, but I have been told... That as you age, it only gets worse. Yep, that, yep, uh, yep, 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 yep. That's there's truth to that. Uh, <laughs> the aging process is not kind. It is a little bit weird. Uh, I'm growing hair in places that, quite frankly, wasn't wasn't aware of. 
was not aware of. I got more friggin' two bad things. The two bad things about aging: your ears get bigger. Now, because I understand your ears never stop growing, and apparently your ball sack never stops growing either. Nope, 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 nope. There's uh, okay. I'm I'm done. That's my. Well, just to finish up on that, there's two things I've, as I'm aging, there's two things I miss. One is my memory, and I can't remember the other one. So anyway, anyway, well, let's let's turn to the uh, transportation department here at, at the taxi stand hour. John, you got anything you want to go over first before? Uh, you know, I don't have. You don't. A single, I don't. Um, Okay. And you've got most of it here as far as uh, some of the crapola that Uber and Lyft have been up to. All right. So there was a nice story, and I again, I didn't print out where it came from. We're going to get into this a little bit. Uh, we got a couple of related pieces here. Uh, Uber, I believe it was last week, uh, fired 3,500 employees over a conference call. Now, I'm not going to play the conference call here, but if you go to our website, RadioTFI.com, if you're listening on SoundCloud, uh, you may not have been there if you're listening on the app. Anyway, go to the website, RadioTFI.com, and you'll find that phone call, and you'll actually find it on SoundCloud as well. Just look in in the Radio TFI section of your local supermarket. But they they let go 3,500 people. And there there was an article that... I read, uh, actually it says here, they're not sure when that call took place, but essentially these folks were with no notice, no notice, just enough to get them to a phone or video situation. Uh, Ruffin Chevalier of Uber's Phoenix Center of Excellence informed 3,500 people who worked in customer service and recruitment around the world that they would no longer be working with the company. Quote, right now the ride business is down by more than half due to COVID-19. With trip volume down, the difficult and unfortunate reality is there is not enough work for many frontline customer support employees, she said. As a result, we are eliminating 3,500 frontline customer support roles. Basically, they had, not basically, they had zero notice. Now, if you listen to the call, you you can hear their HR people come on. Uh, and that was effective that day. The day they were told, that's it, you're done. Now, some of them had severance packages, so they would get paid till whatever date. Uh, but what was interesting is that One, uh, here's what a former employee, one of the people on the call. Uh, oh, this is from the Daily Mail. I'm sorry. Uh, she said that no one was given notice they would be laid off. The day before we told, we were told in two weeks, we would know what the department, which department would be let go. They gave us no notice. If I missed the Zoom call, I would have missed the news, she said. Now, here's the fun part. Here's the fun quote. We knew they didn't have the driver's backs, but they don't have anyone's backs. Mm-hmm. So, so what I'm hearing there, what I'm reading there, is all these knuckleheads in customer service that drivers have been dealing with for the last couple of years. 
they all knew. And if you've ever spoken to any of these people, you know, they're all reading off a script and it's all happy talk. Um, nobody cared about the drivers. Nobody. Top to bottom, side to side. Nobody cared about the drivers. Whether they should have been cared about or not, that's a different discussion for a different time. Uh, Uber was nice enough to teach its employees or ex-employees how to file unemployment claims. Uh, the process was expedited after there was an apparent information leak by, quote, someone at the CEO level. How many CEOs are there? <laughs> yeah. And then the yeah. next, and then the next day they fired us. She said. So, uh, that's from the Daily Mail. Now, the next story, which is kind of related, uh, is this is from the Observer. This, wait a minute, is this the story? Anyway, again, if you go to the website, we got two stories up. There, also, two different stories one about uh, how washington dc basically allowed uber to come in and run roughshod and i believe the other the other story from market watch is uh is from uber buying grubhub and it's referred to it is an opinion piece a new low in pandemic profiteering and we might touch on that in a little bit but uh this is from the observer by sissy Cow, uh, cow. This is from uh, the 13th. Dara the K, our favorite Uber CEO, who apparently leaked something, was paid a total of $42.4 million in cash and stock in 2019. I hey, like them apples, John. <laughs> uh, let's see. At the recent shareholders meeting on this past Monday, the 11th, a group representing a large Uber shareholders took issue with how much the ride-sharing giant is paying Dara the K, while the company slashes thousands of jobs and its drivers struggle to make ends meet. Uh, an investment, an advisory firm working with some of Uber's substantial shareholders, called for shareholders to vote against uh, Uber's proposal regarding Dara the K's compensation package. Uh, by the way, Dara has said he will not take any pay for the rest of 2020, which sounds like a big honking deal until you realize he's paid a million dollars but a year, but the rest of the money comes from other places. Uh, mm-hmm. And oh, and you know the thing is, he'll start. Poor Dara, he'll have he doesn't take any more pay for the rest of the year. We we know he's gonna. He'll have to be eating ramen noodles and drinking. Yeah. Uh, Detroit City Terror, not Detroit, but Flint City tap water. <laughs> you know. Seventy uh, percent of the shareholders supported Dara the K's compensation package at at the most recent voting, which is significantly lags behind the industry average approval rate of ninety point five percent. So. Uh, and you have to also remember there, Ed, that when uh, when you talk about laying off these these people, or laying off, probably firing is the word, not laying off, but firing, you, ha- you have to realize that Uber support 
was minimal at best. I think Uber support was kind of an oxymoron, if you want to know the truth. Oh, it really was. They're uh, for the drivers and, quite frankly, for the customers. Either way. And to think now you're going to you're going to lay off. I keep saying lay off, fire these people. Look at what's going to happen from the customer aspect for the for the riders that they still have and quite frankly for the drivers that they still have it was it was nearly non-existent before and now you're going to leave all these people yeah well i mean if you lose something in your car or in the in the uber you drive you got a lost and found issue man you may as well just kiss that son of a bitch goodbye yeah well like i was saying Uh, uh, in a move to show his commitment to company-wide cost reduction, Darren the K said he would waive his salary for the rest of the 2020. But here's what you got to understand about his salary. It's an annual base of a million dollars, which is fairly within the range of CEOs of comparable tech companies. But last year, he received a total pay package worth $42.4 million, comprising of that million dollars in base, $2 million in bonuses, $37.4 million in equity award, and $2 million in reimbursement for work-related expenses. How the hell are you spending $2 million? Boy, oh boy, go uh, bring your own lunch to work every now and again, two or three days a week. $2 million. By the well, way, he's a jet setter. Is what, remember that term from a long time ago? Oh, I, jet sure setter, yeah. I sure do. I also remember the T-Berry Shuffle. What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> but finally, just to wrap this story up, just to give you an idea, for all those drivers out there suffering and, you know, because they made fools of themselves. In 2019, Uber paid its seven top executives a total of $11.4 million in salary and cash bonus, plus $71 million worth of equity awards, according to regulatory filings. So, oh yeah, they've been getting fat. Meanwhile... The unregulated taxi business. Look, you'll get no sympathy from from this corner of the internet. No, absolutely none, not. None whatsoever. Destroyed, destroyed us. We've gone through that before. Hey, hey, boy, oh boy, this day's taking a chunk out of me. Well, you've only got uh, twenty-two minutes to go, so so I'm going to hand it off to you at this point. Uh, you know, t- tighten up there or suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, let's see if I can dig into my pocket of goodies here and see if there there uh, wasn't at least something in here. I didn't do much on pocket this week. I have covered an hour and 40 minutes. I'm asking you to take care of 20 minutes. Well, you're asking too much. <laughs> clearly, uh, <laughs> clearly, I am. Did I cover during? Did I cover during the week that uh, Robert De Niro? This is according to. Uh, no, you didn't. It doesn't matter. What we covered during the week can be covered on Saturday. Well, thank you for your permission, there. You are uh, entirely Sally. welcome. Uh, I don't. Who did he see? Oh, he per. It appeared on Consequence of Sound here, I guess. But the post that uh, Robert De Niro dreams of hitting Donald Trump in the face. With a big bag of shit, appeared uh, 
on consequences sound. De Niro doesn't hide his feelings when it comes to Donald Trump, and <laughs> now he doesn't hide his dreams about the president either. So apparently, he was dreaming of uh, of hitting Trump with a big bag. Big bag. Yeah, Poop. exactly. Poop. We let it go. Poop. Wait, yeah, Poop. we let it go one time, John. Don't push it. You know, I picked that story out specifically. Yeah, we let the direct quote go. Don't don't push your luck. What else you got there, Skippy? <laughs> oh, well, all I can say to Robert De Niro is, join the club, man. I, there are probably, you know, millions of Americans that have dreamed the same dream. To tell you the truth, personally, it would for me, it wouldn't be a a bag of poop. It would be a either a softball bat or a uh, sledgehammer but that's I probably couldn't swing a sledgehammer much anymore so I'll have to settle for the softball bat oh Captain Coppertone ow man <laughs> that was pretty good I have no idea how it sounded but I'll listen it, to the it sound it sounded really good actually <laughs> I've been dying to do that. <laughs> so, apparently we were talking about Vegas earlier on today. And they are getting ready now to open uh, open things up in that city. But apparently it's going to look a whole lot different. They're going to they're gonna put plexiglass shields between uh, bettors. There's only going to be three people allowed at a... At a blackjack table, only, yeah. only I think they said only six people allowed around a craps table, hmm. and everybody's going to be wearing masks and gloves, and you know, so only if you're into the whole, uh, uh, only if you're into the whole just chronic game uh, gambling thing, Vegas really isn't going to be a whole lot of fun. Although I, while they will be. Uh, required to wear a mask over their face i'm guessing they probably haven't devised a plan to cover up uh uh woman part women uh secret parts here uh, you're talking about the you, uh, the uh, topless dancers in the in the casino well shows? no well, let's 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 just face it that uh when you get around a, a craps table or something like that you've got at least uh one or two uh Young ladies who are, uh, to use the word, scantily clad. Oh yeah, They're, somebody's and somebody's got to blow on the dice. That's actually illegal, isn't it? You can't do that. Blow on the dice. I, yeah, I. I don't think it is legal. Yeah, I think so. Well, I could be wrong, but I seem to remember hearing that or reading it someplace. Uh, again, I could be wrong. Nah, I, I think you're. I think you're spot on. I don't know what they do to you other than just kick you off the table if you did it, but... Uh, Maybe they blow right back at you. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a whole lot... Well, except, it, <laughs> except in the privacy of hotel rooms, I don't think there's going to be much blowing going well, on. Well, there's, there's that too. There's uh, Yeah, because, I mean, that could re- that's really a health hazard now, blowing on the dice. Because mm-hmm. that could live on the die for... You could die from the die. How about that? Oh. 
I love the ones I don't plan that just organically Bruh. show themselves. Kind of like coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's just kind of there. It's it's all around you. It's just a question. I now have two flies in my in my studio, and I don't know why. I have no wind. Uh, Oh, I do. That's why you look like King, that's why you look like King Kong swatting at airplanes. No, right I'm not. Now. I'm not swatting. I just it's fly anyway. It's up. It's by my <laughs> lap. Anyway, let's let's move on. We have a show. show you've got you've got flies in the studio already. What can I tell you? Strong flies here. F- Strong oh my fly. god! Well, they get up to ninety nine. Yeah. Well, you know. Next, it'll be the rats. No, no, no. Next is uh, Murder Hornets. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know what we'll I want to do? You know what I want? We'll start feeding on the rat's brains. Here, here's my image. President Barama, uh, Obama comes flying into the White House, riding, standing on a horde of murder hornets <laughs> with a rain in one hand. And a big makeup pad in the other, and comes by and what, Captain Coppertone? <laughs> Have you been dreaming this too, like De Niro? I will be now. <laughs> I will be now hitting with a big sack of murder hornets. So they're opening the Mall of America. So you've said. Uh, starting, I, I believe the the green light day will uh, be. Well, actually, it'll be June 1st for the Mall of America. Uh, they are opening up a couple of other sizable malls here in Minnesota. It's going to it's gonna be interesting here to see what the, uh, what the ramifications of that are going to be. You know, hey, listen, we got, we got 15 minutes here to cover. We do have one more story we should be talking about, and that was... Uh, Christine Hubbard's uh, latest uh, interview. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. By the oh, way, which, got... is, which is also on the website. Uh, actually, we'll be having a whole page dedicated to Christine and her radio interviews in the days to come as we as we finish putting the finishing touches on the website right now. If you go there, what you're seeing is just, eh, we're slapping things in just to keep patchwork. Content. Patchwork for the moment, but... The, the full-blown site is coming, but she's really doing, uh, apparently, a great business up there. People are really digging the uh, the delivery service. Yeah. Um, but it's the, the mask is actually starting to get lifted, even here in, in the States, as far as what, the, what kind of a scam these uh, delivery, food delivery services are. Oh yeah, you know, taking thirty-five up to thirty-five percent of yes. the. Um, Why well, we talked about this the other night, and I've said that. Yeah, uh, people have not. Restaurants are being hit. Have they've been losing money on Uber Eats and the like for a long, long time, uh, and now especially they they've got very little margin to work with. And as I mentioned earlier in the week, I spoke to somebody down back in Fort Lauderdale. The cab company I was associated with, they've now taken to doing this. It's $8 for the first uh, three miles. And let's face it, whatever it's going to cost you, it's going to cost you seven, eight bucks to get something delivered from Uber Eats anyway. 
or Grubhub. Why not let the driver keep it? And the restaurant pays nothing. The grocery store pays nothing. That's the key thing there is, is that the the restaurant or grocery store or whatever business is deliver, or sending out for delivery. And by the way, that reminds me of, of something else. As long as we're going to do this and as long as we want people to be safe, for Christ's sake, take the shackles off of the, the delivery of uh, booze and tobacco products. No, no. No, I'm sorry. No, I, no, no. And why not? Why Absolutely not? not? Absolutely not. Those are why not? That get off! Get off your dead ass! Go get your own booze and smokes. Why? Why? Because you don't. If need it them. keep, it's not essential. If there's a lot of goddamn things is, that are not essential. Devil uh, dogs are getting, essential. What? What are? What is essential? Devil dogs. I didn't hear that. What are devil dogs? You don't know what devil dogs are? No. Oh my god. Drake's devil dogs? No. You've seen me eat them. Oh, you poor dog. Well, I, I I try not to watch you eat to begin with, but look it up. Google it. Okay, I will. Google it, man. Jeez, doesn't know what a devil dog is. Doesn't know didn't know what Festivus was. Ay caramba. Hadn't had no idea what Serenity now! meant poor Jerry Stiller in his grave. and I just had better things to do with my life. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just... Uh... Serenity now! That's <laughs> what you say uh, to calm yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so where were we? I, I, uh, I'm delivering. I'm delivering. delivery. Oh, oh, smokes and booze. Why? Why not? I just, I just don't. Believe I understand. I understand that we once back in the seventies lived in an era where booze was such a was such a taboo thing. Now, Christ, you have designer beer for crying out loud, which is another thing I don't understand. If you're going to let the uh, liquor stores stay open during your shutdowns, why the hell can't the craft beer stores? Why you know why can't they be open? This sounds like somebody who likes craft beer. I don't. I don't like craft beer. I think it's foo foo. <laughs> it's you know it's stuff to please the millennials, the people with the hair buns and stuff like that. I I have no desire whatsoever for a mocha latte. Uh, right, right, hard wanna, pilsner. You want to know the real reason why I'm against booze and alcohol? Uh, uh, the booze and uh, smokes being delivered? Okay. Because every 12-year-old with daddy's credit card will be able to finagle it. And they'll keep calling places till they get some delivery clown. They'll order it on the app and until some delivery guy said they'll hand them an extra 10 bucks. To leave the booze, the beer, and the and the smokes. That's why it's been done before. It'll be done again. That is how why, about, my friend. How about this? For one thing, we still have this wonderful technology called a telephone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe we say, okay, 
we're not going to put this on the app. We're not going to have you use the app for booze and and uh, smokes. Uh-huh. I could, uh, you actually have to talk to a live human Oh, if okay. you want a if you want a cab company to pick up your smokes and and or pick up your booze or whatever, oh, let me let me riddle me this, Batman. Who was the who was the kid in your group when you were about thirteen or fourteen who had the grown up voice? Because everybody had somebody that had the well, I did. Voice. Okay, I did actually. So <laughs> so you could call by phone. Maybe pass as a grown-up. Maybe. Have you ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yes, I have. There's the whole scene where the uh, the friend plays, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, the Sausage King of Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. on, on the phone because he's got that voice. It's too easy <laughs> of a system to beat. And again, a well-placed $20 bill in some delivery guy's hand Oh, your oh your dad's upstairs. Okay, yeah. Oh, twenty dollar tip. Thanks. My dad said mm. to give this to you. Come on, man. It's that's why. That's really why. And I don't want to see anybody get hooked on cigarettes like I did when I was thirteen years old. Okay. Yeah. Then again, well, may I? Then again, in nineteen seventy in nineteen seventy two, I could walk into a store as a thirteen year old and buy cigarettes. I got my first drink at a bar when I was 14. All right. Well, there you go. But that's but, why. That's why it's a poor idea. People are a little bit more careful about that. No, I, I think it not. could be. I, th- but, I think that it could be done if you use half a brain to, to figure it out. Yeah, but remember, it's only got to go sideways once. Only one time does it have to go sideways. And and here's And here's the other thing about that. Okay, it's still going to have the product itself is still going to have to be ordered via credit card. Yeah, it's only going to take it's only going to take one time for Daddy seeing his credit card statement right. to realize, hey, wait a minute, something's pooey caca here. I don't always look at my credit card statement, and I barely use my credit cards. But even back in the day, especially like when I was, uh, uh, well, I had my uh, my my debit card for the company. I mean, I bought virtually everything with the debit card. Did I go over it at the end of the month? Nope, should have. But now you got a kid that's got access to your credit card. Look, John, it's just too easy for a kid, a determined 14-year-old that wants a beer, wants smokes, him and his buddies, they've somehow come get their hands on a credit card. They're going to figure it out. And especially this day and age with apps and all that, oh, man, you can... And then, and then, heaven forbid, somebody gets hurt because of it. Then all holy hell is going to break loose. That's why it's a bad idea. I'm not saying there aren't people that wouldn't be willing to pay for the service and even pay a premium. But kids will get their hands on it. Period. Just like like right now, kids are are using somebody's credit or debit card. There's no there's no limit on the age as far as having debit cards. Right. And they're getting Uber rides. Exactly. And uh how many how many kids are probably 14-year-olds are paying premium for porno on the internet, you know. 
Yeah, with somebody's debit card or credit card. Yeah, yeah absolutely. exactly. So, it and sadly, it does happen, and until we can be a more perfect society, it probably will be will be or will continue to happen so in other words i have convinced you that it's a bad idea right now look it's not perfect Uh, no no either it is or it's not a bad idea i i am not black and white like that ed so don't even try to paint delivering alcohol and 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 tobacco is a bad idea right now it's just a bad idea because I don't think it is. It's too porous of a system. It can be easily defeated. A determined teenager can get a lot done. I know I did. A determined teacher can pay somebody to go in and get their smoke, smokes hey, and booze there. That is, you're not wrong. I'm not saying that, and that still happens. But now to have the, the, the luxury of having it delivered to the house through an app, a faceless app. I'm saying that's a big thing that that needs to be taken care of long before that can be seriously considered. Here's something you're gonna order. You're gonna order something. Have something like a FaceTime app. You don't do it faceless. Big deal. I can I can phony that up. Oh, okay. The, it's this not is, this. Is, this is my foray into uh, beating my head against the wall right now. So <laughs> I beat my head up against the wall. I only do it because it feels so good when I stop. <laughs> oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. What else did we have? I, I want you to agree with me that right now it's a bad idea. I'm not going to. I'm not going to agree with you. So in other words, you would take the chance that in 10 years, Oliver can pick up your phone. And order. I don't let my phone anywhere near Oliver. Right. Wait till he's 12, 13 years old. Mm. So him and his him and his little band of uh, of thugs have decided they want a <laughs> they want a little Johnny Walker black label. Okay. Somehow I don't think that's going to. Really? Do you know what's going to happen in ten years? You're not sure what's going to happen in ten minutes. <laughs> There's a guy that sat on his nuts today. I'm supposed to listen to you? I sat on my nuts just for you. <laughs> I want you to know that. No, no, sir. That's something I, you do I, for yourself. You don't do that for me. I, I I did it for you just so I could be here ready to be in presence. Ready to... I, I, hey, I, hey, I took the sword for you. Literally. I don't, I don't know if you took the sword so much as... I took I took the hard wooden seat is what I took. You, you. Oh, thank God! <laughs> Time to say goodbye, folks. From the Northern Command Studio in Egan, Minnesota, I'm John Shannon, and unfortunately, I got the money. See ya.
Right, baby.